following is KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. Okay, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of KPB Cast, guys. With me today, I have a really, really interesting um, person within the gaming community. I don't know if she wants to maybe say that she's purely into the gaming community, but she does something gaming related. Who we have here today is Devin Ricks, or Teacher Devin, or Miss Devin. Miss Devin, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about what I do. Definitely, definitely. And guys, before we go on, just remember, check out um, Acquire Apparel. Uh, if you want your icon for your teams, for your esports league, anything plastered on the jersey, on the t-shirt, check them out. They'll do it for you. And also, we are brought to you by Saltamia Art. She's another one. Check her out. She's a great artist. You know, you could commission her for anything that you want. She's multi-talented. Definitely check out those two um those two entities, they do a lot, of, uh, a lot of good for the show. And with that, let's get going. I found you, uh, like I said, uh, we talked a little bit earlier. I'm pretty sure it was via a Twitter, um, a Twitter link to a news, to a news article. And you know, it caught me right. It caught me exactly. Well, th- this is exactly what I want this podcast to be. Let's talk about people within the gaming community. And like I said, I don't know if you want to say you're fully integrated into it, but what you do is you're, you're part. You uh, you t- um, you use gaming as part of what you do. And these are the kind of stories I love. You know, just getting people, getting to know people who use gaming as, in your case, um, it's your profession. It's your job. Um, could you please let people know what it is that you do and, you know, just to, just to get our, our listeners to get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely agree that I'm involved in the gaming community, but in a very different way. So my job is I am an online video game teacher and it's as fun as it sounds. So my job is I host video game social clubs. Now, when you think about the gaming community, I think you usually think about Twitch and YouTube and more of the adult community, right? The competitive, you know, that kind of stuff. And my end of the gaming community is much younger. The students that I teach and game with are ages typically nine to 14 years old. And what I do is I post on my schedule. I say, hey, there's a Zelda social club, you know, Fridays at two o'clock. Come and play Breath of the Wild with me. I'll answer your questions. You can show off your tips and tricks and help each other, you know, get better at the game and stuff. And we talk about Zelda lore and uh, other Zelda games. But what's awesome is it's a safe place for kids to meet other kids who like to game because all of the classes are recorded every teacher goes through a background check, everything like that. So parents can feel safe, like, all right, time with Ms. Devin is going to be safe for my kiddo, but they can also pursue the gaming, which they love. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's what I I love to hear. Uh, One thing that you mentioned, uh, like you said, this is basically a safe space for a lot of kids. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you turn on the news and you see a lot of cyberbullying, a lot of, uh, you know, awful things going on, even with people Mm -hmm. who just want to play some games. And, you know, another thing that you mentioned, this is not really for the competitive esports gaming community. This is not for some people... Uh, you, you know, some of the subjects that have been uh, breached a lot during uh, during the years, this is something completely different. It's mainly for kids. And like you said, you provide a safe, uh, a safe environment for them, for their parents to make 
to basically, you know, feel at ease that, yeah, we're, we're, um, this is a teacher who's very responsible. She doesn't want no bullying. She just wants her kids to enjoy the joy of basically video games. And in your case, exactly. you use a lot of Nintendo IPs, right? Yeah, yeah. Mine are all Nintendo. They've, you know, my students are like, you should get an Xbox. You should get a PlayStation. I'm like, well, <laughs> I probably will. But the Nintendo fits very nicely on my desk. So we're sticking with that for now. <laughs> I've always been a Nintendo girl. So, you know, it's, I will it's love, home. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's get into that. I mean, what is, uh, what has been your history with video games? You know, growing up, were you a big gamer? Were you a casual gamer? Did you have any siblings who gamed with you? You know, take us through that. Yeah, so I've always loved video games. We've always had video games in my house. We had the NES, the SNES, the N64, and I was born in 91. And so the first system I really remember playing on was the N64. And I would watch my brother play Zelda all the time. Like we would come back from, you know, school or whatever, and he'd sit down and he'd be doing like the water temple. And I just loved watching him because I was part of the game with him, right? I was too young to know how to play or anything. He'd let me go fishing, which was fun at Lake Hylia, but I just loved watching him game. And then as time went on, my siblings weren't as into gaming, right? I'm the youngest of seven, so we're a big family. <laughs> wow, seven, seven siblings. Jeez. Seven siblings, yes. And so, like, none of them really stuck with gaming. My brother gamed a little bit through high school, but I just loved it. And so, as I grew up, I got a GameCube, I got a Wii, I eventually got a Switch. So, I've played... Uh, Nintendo games my entire life. I still remember playing like Pokemon Red and Yellow on my Game Boy, and now I'm playing Pokemon Arceus, waiting for Pokemon Scarlet to come out and everything like that. So I've always been a gamer. I've never really entered the competitive scene a whole ton um, or at all, really, actually, not even a whole ton at all. <laughs> I've Was never done any, any sort of competitive. You know, you say you had uh, six siblings, so the N64 with its four controller ports. I'm sure you know Dreamcast as well with four controllers, but that must have been the blessing so you guys wouldn't kill each other over the controller, huh? Oh, absolutely. Well, and they would give me an extra controller that wasn't always plugged in, you know, because I was the baby of the family. They're like, here, Devin, you get to be Peach. And I'm like, yay, I get to be Peach. And just was excited to be involved. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute, nothing's happening. That's not what I, you know, I figured it out eventually. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. We would do Mario parties, me and my siblings. I remember oh, doing that a lot. It was so fun. We would just make popcorn and my brother liked to be Donkey Kong. And so whenever he wasn't Donkey Kong, I had to be Donkey Kong because in my <laughs> mind, he had like trained Donkey Kong. And I was like, if I'm Donkey Kong, I already have this set of skills. So I will therefore be better, you know? <laughs> That's not you... how it works for anyone who's confused out there. <laughs> so what made you stick with it so long? You said it yourself, your siblings moved on, your brother... He played here and there, you know, just to, I'm assuming just to entertain you. It's like, hey, sister, come on, let's play. But you, mm -hmm. you said it yourself, they moved on. Why did you stick to it? You know, I think part of it was the timing, right? Pokemon came, I loved Pokemon. When it came out, I was in like, what, third grade or fourth grade. So I was right at that like perfect age, the same age as a lot of my students are, where you're just captured by this amazing world of possibilities, right? When you look at Pokemon, it's like, wow, if these were real, if I could battle with these Pokemon. And then I always loved Mario Party for the nostalgia. Like anytime I would play it, I would just make me think of my brothers and sisters and just made me happy. And so then I just kind of continued to game, you know, for the rest of, you know, up until now. So, and I found <laughs> friends that also like to game and, you know, some of my friends would game with me. Others would just like to watch me play and stuff. But 
I don't know. I think that it's just those amazing stories. I studied English in college and I got my degree in English and I've always loved stories. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand about games is that games are just stories that you get to build. It's a world that you are creating. Is it also maybe because I was born in 83, so I was, um, I'm a few years older than you. Is it because mm -hmm. also during the mid 90s to like the late 90s, everything was just, you know, it was like just brand new for all of us. It's uh, these amazing worlds that these IPs came with, you know, like you said, Pokemon, uh, Mario was, uh, was getting bigger and bigger. Of course, the Sony PlayStation RPG games uh, came with big worlds. It, it, was it something about that as well that helped you just stay a gamer? Absolutely. I mean, for sure. It was just the novelty, the fun, the excitement of these, you know, video games that, yeah, were just starting to grow and become this amazing thing. And a lot of people, you know, kind of jumped on that. And I tell my students all the time, I'm like, you don't understand. Like when these graphics were out, I'll show them like, you know, Mario 64. I'm like, this was like cutting edge stuff. I was like, this was the most realistic thing ever. And it's been amazing to see how they've evolved and everything like that. But definitely that novelty of video games was what kept my interest too, for sure. I know what you mean, because when I first saw Resident Evil Code Veronica on the Dreamcast, uh, I'm sure you, you read video game magazines like a lot of the people on this mm -hmm. show and I have done before, and we saw those pictures, and it's like, this is the most realistic thing we've ever seen. I mean, look at this stuff. This is cutting edge. This is just mm -hmm. next generation stuff. We couldn't wait, you know, to get our hands on that, uh, you know, on these games, and you know, like we already said it here, it really was that, that between what was it? I want to say maybe 96 through 2000, 2001. It really was a great time in video gaming and just in pop culture in general. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that that was, yeah, it really was. There was just so much that was being explored at that time, like all these different types of games. You know, online gaming wasn't a thing yet, but they were like kind of starting to play with the idea. And I think that something else that's awesome about video games, you mentioned like the magazines is like, they can be challenging and oh, super yeah. fulfilling when you solve them, you know, whether you're doing like a temple in Ocarina of Time or you're trying to like get first in a race in Mario Kart or, you know, whatever it is. There was something kind of fulfilling about that too because you couldn't just go on youtube and be like how do i solve this it's like no you had to order the magazine <laughs> or sit in barnes and noble for an hour and like memorize it before you went home and everything like that's that. right <laughs> have your composition book ready and take as many notes as possible exactly <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> let me ask you this uh because this is actually one of the underlying themes of this show and you said uh, you grew up during the 90s. And if I was to take a guess, maybe they were almost dying out by the time, you know, it, it got, I want to say, maybe the near 2000, 2001. And I, I, I mean, I don't know where you grew up, but were arcades big around you? Did, were you ever an arcade girl? Did you ever step into any arcades and just uh, just take in all, you know, the environments of sounds, the music and all that stuff? I've always loved arcades. I didn't get oh, to go to a ton go. of them. You know, you mentioned where I grew up. So I was born in Idaho, but I spent a lot of my life living in Barcelona, Spain. And then wow. I came back to the U.S. and then graduated from high school in Argentina. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't get to have that like arcade experience as much as I know I would have loved to. But to this day, I love arcades and I'll go into them and stuff. But there just wasn't that kind of environment where I could go while I was living in Barcelona. So I didn't get to didn't get to experience that as much as I wish I could have, you know? <laughs> what's the, uh, 
what's the gaming what was the gaming culture like in those uh in spain and uh, barcelona and argentina growing up you know it was it's hard to say because you know being a child it's hard to look at it with the perspective that we can see it with now like yeah what you're right you're right the overall was but you know i remember i would we would host these big dinners um all the time and there was this is a very odd memory so just journey with me here but we, of course. Would, make, <laughs> we would make taco salad and on the bo- and on the bottom we would put fritos chips and i remember that for a while when you got these fritos chips in spain there was a pokemon pog in there so i did not collect pokemon cards but i collected these pogs that came in these fritos chips pokemon and then pogs? yeah they made pokemon pogs you like, know what should that surprise me <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this was a thing anywhere else in the world, but I had so many of these and me and my friends, we would trade them like we would trade them like you would trade Pokemon cards, but they were little pogs and the names were in Spanish and everything. But so, I mean, it was definitely still, you know, relevant and everywhere in the world, even though I wasn't in the US. But I think there were some things just kind of like that. And Pokemon cards were popular in Spain, too, but I just never... Never really got into them, but those Pokemon Pogs, you better believe it. I had I had so many of them. I still have some. My daughters play with them all the time. <laughs> and by the way, guys, she is fluent in Spanish as well. That so. is true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Definitivamente tenemos que hacer un podcast en español después. Bueno, si quieres, es, es perfectamente aceptable conmigo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So let's fast forward a little bit. Like you said, uh, you, you you were traveling um, between Spain. Oh no, you were you grew up in Barcelona, then you went to Argentina, and then you came back to the U.S. When mm-hmm. you came back to the U.S., uh, was gaming still something on your mind, or did you just decide, you know what, let me just put this on the back burner for now because I have to, um, you know, concentrate on my career or what it is that I want to do for the future? What was uh, what was uh, your thought process when you came back to the U.S.? Well, one of my favorite things one of my favorite dating techniques. Okay. I started college when I came back to the U S and one of my favorite things was when I would be dating a guy, I would be like, Oh, let's go play Nintendo. And they'd be like, Oh, okay, sure. You know? And they'd assume that I didn't know what I was doing. They'd like explain things to me oh, and boy, then I would just <laughs> annihilate them in Mario Kart. And I'm like, Oh, ha, ha, ha. you know, it was one of my favorite things. So I still gamed for sure, like <laughs> through college and everything. And you know, never like super intensely, but it's always been a part of my life. It always has been. I remember me and my husband, when we were dating, there was like a community we at the clubhouse where we lived. And um, we would go on like Friday nights when it was winter, because Idaho winters, you just don't go anywhere. And we would we would unlock bad, huh? all of the stuff. Oh, yeah, it's so bad. But we would just start with like the mushroom cup and we'd unlock everything. And then we'd go onto the flower cup and unlock everything. And it was just like how we hung out at night and it was so fun, you know? <laughs> no, man, that is definitely cool. I, mean, I, I love that dating tip. Uh, you want to go play Nintendo? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> just oh, yeah. My, <laughs> my husband wouldn't play Super Smash with me for a while while we were dating because I would just annihilate him. And then he's like, this isn't even fun. I'm like, fine, I'll actually teach you how to play. <laughs> and, so, and then he found Ike and I was like, why'd you have to find the guy with the biggest sword and the longest reach? I'm like, this isn't even fun anymore. <laughs> Who did you main? Uh, I always mained Zero Suit on the Wii. I I have not found a main on the Switch that I like because I feel like they really nerfed Zero Suit with like her up B and her smashes and everything. So I'm still like mourning my Wii Zero Suit, but I also really, I really love Game & Watch. So those were the two I mained on the Wii. On the Switch, I just kind of 
mess around with my students. We're like, that's one of the things we'll do in my Super Smash class. I'm like, okay, everyone has to be a character <laughs> that is pink. And so then they have to find a pink character. I'm like, okay, now you got to be a character that uses a sword or a non-humanoid character. And so we just mess around in class. So I don't really have a main anymore, but we have so much fun. <laughs> what college did you attend? I attended Brigham Young University, Idaho. Oh, wow. BYU. BYU. You oh, better believe a, it. That's a big college, guys. You know. Well, I, yeah, the one I went to was the one in Idaho, so it's a much smaller one than the one in Provo, but it's it's got reach for sure. <laughs> what was the gaming uh, culture like there? Was, uh, was it like, you know, low-key? Uh, were there many gaming clubs? Were you able to find a group of people that in, that had the same passion as you when it comes to video games? You know, I was able to find a good group of friends that liked gaming as much as I did and played similar games and stuff. There wasn't like much of a gaming community, though. There wasn't, you know, any sort of competitive scene or like weekly clubs that would meet. But I, you asking me that reminded me when I was once me and my husband were married, we decided we were going to manage some apartments and I was helping manage this one guy's apartment and I actually organized a Super Smash Bros tournament for the residents there and oh, same thing we were playing and I was like oh I'll I'll hop in and then they would they would start playing me and I was like probably 5 years older than all of them and so I was like the old lady you know and <laughs> I just you know take them take them to church and they'd be like whoa she's actually good I was like you think I would like jump in here and not know what I'm doing come on <laughs> so it was pretty fun <laughs> but yeah so that was there wasn't anything though now that I think about it it's kind of a bummer there wasn't like a community or like a school club or anything like that did you always find it odd or did you do you have the same reaction that a lot of women in gaming have that when a guy sees that the girl is you know better than them at gaming did like did anybody ever give you like what the heck is this you know how, how could she be beating me i'm a guy and you know gaming is usually reserved for guys did you ever get any of those bad vibes from some people oh absolutely i mean it's you know it's no secret that gaming is a boys club right i think that that's yes. changing as, oh, it's definitely you know, changing definitely yeah i think things like twitch and youtube are definitely helping that where you can see more girls more women playing but yeah it was just you know they just didn't expect it that was always the fun thing was it was like a surprise to them I never had anyone who reacted like well you're better than me so we can't hang out and game together I never had that reaction fortunately but it was something that always did make me a little self-conscious as a girl you know they're like you play video games you know kind of like why are you doing that? Even if they played video games themselves, it was kind of more like, that's weird that you do that because you're a girl, you know? So I didn't get a lot of hate for it, but there was definitely that undertone. And so I didn't always, I wasn't always super forthcoming with my gaming. Sometimes I would kind of, you know, closet game a little bit and not show that side of me until I was sure that like they would be cool with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, it's 2022, and that's still a topic even to this day. Do you, do you think, um, you know, the gaming community will ever get past it? I mean, we're only just a few years removed. I mean, I don't know if you keep up much with gaming news, but the whole Gamergate, uh, you know, some um, prominent female um, gamers, uh, personalities always attacked. Again, do you just think that's ever going to go away? Or is it, or is that just the nature of the internet where you're able to hide behind a keyboard and say many things, you know, hurting people's feelings without really knowing, you know, how much damage you're causing? You know, there's been, 
and, and I hate bringing this stuff up, but there's been plenty of news stories of people killing themselves just from cyberbullying. So again, you know, you, like what you do, and like we say, uh, you provide a safe haven, a safe environment, but is that a topic that you think we're just ever gonna get rid of within the community? I hope so. You know, you can hope that one day that will, I think you're hitting it on the nose with the internet that yeah, it's easy to say whatever it is when you're hiding behind the keyboard. But I hope that one day, you know, you know, women will have a more of a place in gaming. What's interesting is, you know, I have a couple, I have, most of my students are boys, shocker, right? Who saw that coming? But I do have some, <laughs> some girl students and, you know, I had a mom message me just the other day and she was like, you know, Miss Devin, I really love having my daughter go to your class because she has a female role model in the gaming world that she can look up to. And I think that that's, that's you know, awesome. what everyone needs is just a person that says, hey, they're like me. I can do that, you know, and I never intended to be that person. And it's still a little, you know, odd for me to think about that. But I think that it does make a big impact when women and you know are prominent in the gaming world and they're like it's okay to like gaming it's okay to be good at it you can also be good at other things too it doesn't have to be your entire identity you can do other things and still be a great gamer and still have a passion for video gaming it's not exclusive that you can only love gaming or not love gaming or love gaming and be a guy or you know I think it's just opening that conversation with a lot of the things that I do yeah, and, you know, I guess a lot of people just aren't built like people like you or me. I mean, I've, my sisters did very minimal gaming, and uh, when I started to get out of my house and, uh, you know, head to arcades, uh, head to other places where there were maybe a few gaming clubs, I never looked down on it. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool, a girl who plays video games, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, video games for me have... It's never been a, a, a guy or girl thing. Yes, like you said, we do know video games are looked at as a guys club thing, but mm -hmm. it's just, I, I never understand it. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like music. You know, we love rock and roll, you know, rap, whatever, and nobody ever seems to say, at least from what I've seen, nobody ever seems to say anything there. Oh, look, a girl who likes listening to rock and roll. It's just right. always like, hey, we're in this together. This is our hobby. This is what we love. But I guess video games is just always going to have that negative con you know, that negative thing about it, that it's just kind of hard to escape. But like you said, hopefully we will eventually. We're eventually going to be finally able to move on from there where everybody's just looked at under one umbrella and uh, just, uh, you know, not not hurt each other with words, with nasty words too, and sometimes even violence, because who, who the heck wants that in the world? Right. Well, and you know, it's amazing. A lot of my students, they, they'll say things like, I love coming to this class because I know that I'm not going to be bullied here. I know that I'm safe. I know that, you know, I love it. I've had a one student tell me, she's like, you know, I love Zelda, but none of my friends love it. None of my friends get it. And she's like, and so it's a little embarrassing to tell them like, oh yeah, there's these fish people called the Zora and you have to get the Zora armor. And so she's like, they don't get it. She's like, but when I come here, I can talk about it. And no one thinks it's weird. No one looks down on me. It's just like, yeah. We all get it. Zora's domain is the worst because it's raining and Link can't climb in the rain. Like, you know, they get that empathy from each other in these social clubs. And it's really great to see them, you know, have that confidence in these classes. You mentioned you went to BYU. Uh, did you, uh, and you say you graduated with an um, English major? Mm-hmm. Well, what were your intentions when you, were getting out of, um, when you were getting out of BYU? Was your intentions to always be a teacher? 
no, no, I, uh, <laughs> I never oh, wanted to be a teacher. Already, so let's hear this. <laughs> I never wanted to be a teacher because I was afraid of what I call the classroom coup. I was certain that if I ever stepped into a actual classroom, the students would tie me up, duct tape my mouth and throw me in the oh, closet. Jesus you know, Christ. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> so I never, ever wanted to teach because I was like, I don't want to be disrespected by kids. I don't want to have to be the bad guy in their lives and like tell them, no, you have to sit down and be quiet. You know, I never wanted to be that person. And I kind of stumbled into teaching on accident in a lot of ways because I love being home with my daughters and I wanted a job where I could be home with them. I have four daughters, nine to two years old, and I didn't want a nine to five. I didn't want anything like that. And so I started looking at side hustles um, and I found a company called VIP Kid, which was teaching English to kids in China. And then VIP Kid kind of turned into OutSchool. And when I started teaching on OutSchool, I was actually teaching Spanish. And then, but I was like using Pokemon to like teach colors. I'm like, mira, charman de res naranjas, cuerpo de azul, you know? And the kids loved it. And they're like, well, Miss Devin, can we have a Pokemon social club? And I'm like, sure. And then I realized, well, I like playing video games a lot more than teaching language or teaching English. And so that's kind of how it all evolved from there. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you say you didn't want to become a teacher. It's like, yeah, the, that idea. And no worries, uh, you, you wouldn't have to, you know, if you would have taught in the Bronx here in New York, chances are you probably would have been tied up and thrown in the closet. I have a friend. I have a friend who's a teacher in the Bronx, and I remember her telling me her first few years there, and it was uh, pretty scary. She's like, "Ralph, imagine you going into high school, and you already have fifteen-year-olds throwing up gang signs towards you. It's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I'm dealing with." But even before you found out school or VIP kids, you say you didn't want to become a teacher. So what did you do after you got out of uh, out of college? Did you jump around different jobs before you? before you decided, um, you know, that you went along with the career that you decided? Yeah, so, you know, when I, when I, after I graduated college, my husband and I were married our last year of college, and so I managed apartments for a little while uh, while he finished up his degree, and then he got a job as a manager at a plasma donation center, and so I tried to just kind of be home with our girls. At that point, we had two daughters. And so I was just kind of stay at home mom. I had a bit of a side hustle where I would help my sister with her t-shirt business. And so I would do oh, nice. some t-shirt design. Yeah, and like customer service, fulfillment, that kind of stuff. And then my husband decided he didn't want to be in the plasma industry and that he wanted to go back to school for dentistry. And so that was when I decided, well, I better find something but i didn't want to put my girls in daycare i didn't want to you know all of those things and that's how i stumbled you know, before before you go school. on you said mm -hmm. you said t-shirt side hustle for your sister you know uh -huh. I, I have a friend who does that that is huge that's a big oh, industry yeah. it I, is a I, massive industry yeah but it, it's always something like oh uh who, who gets who get you know who comes up with the next big quote for a t-shirt because yes. I, I believe you know quotes on t-shirts are the biggest sellers in that industry correct Oh, definitely. And that's exactly what it was. We had to ride trends and, you know, it was constantly, I was constantly having to figure out like what to put on a t-shirt, what was popular, you know, what was going to sell. So it was really exhausting and well, I don't have any one... experience in graphic design. So I was like Frankensteining these designs together. <laughs> that's one of those industries where you better be up on, you know, social media, pop culture. Yes. Like you said, you better make sure you know what the hottest thing going on in the world right now because once you know if you know what it is 
you put it on a t-shirt, you know, if you get lucky, you can make millions of dollars. And like I said, I have a friend who does that out here in Long Island and mm -hmm. he's doing very well, but he's told me, oh yeah, I could be doing so much better, but it is a very competitive industry. It is crazy competitive. And that was part of the reason I wanted to find something else was because it was so competitive and just so stressful. And so that was part of the reason I was looking for something else. Once my husband decided he wanted to go back to school, I was like, ah, I don't love the, you know, commissions of getting lots at Christmas and then absolutely nothing in January and, you know, right. the up and down of t-shirt sales. So that was another factor that kind of led to teaching on out school. Well, I know for a fact that you had mentioned in that article I read about you because your husband's going to dentistry school and you were a stay-at-home mom and you decided to uh, uh, VIP kids uh, and they eventually turned into out school, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, it was basically to try to help him out with some of the bills and, you know, I, I guess uh, I, he was going through a lot of stress just because, again, you know, we have a family here, we need to pay the bills and everything like that and it's just not coming easy. And I believe that's one of the reasons why you got into teaching. I think you say uh, it was Spanish first, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't, I mean, it's hard because for him, dental school is a full-time job. And we do get student yes. loans, of course, because dental school is so expensive. But when people put together those student loan packages, they figure a single guy or a single girl straight out of college, you know. Right. And if you are that person, you can live off of them, right? A studio apartment, one bedroom apartment, whatever it is. But when you have a family of four... And well, different I guess family story. of six. Yeah, it's a different story. It's like, well, we can't live in a one bedroom apartment or something. So I knew I had to do something to make ends meet because he was already busy all day, every day at school. And so, yeah, I started when I started teaching on out school, I did not know what to do. I was like, all right, I'll try a couple of things. And so I thought, well, Spanish, I speak Spanish. That's a great skill for kids to learn. I'll try that. And I had some good success with it. But I was always self-conscious because I'm not a native Spanish speaker. I'm like, oh, what if I teach them something wrong? And, you know, it's just all this self-doubt. Like, I'm very good at Spanish, but, you know, just that self-doubt. And so then I kind of started teaching some writing classes. And my first writing class ever, which I still teach to this day, uh, I love it. It's a Zelda writing class. And so it's a five-day class. Yes. And they get to create a new region of Hyrule. So on day one, they choose, like, a new place that they're going to create. On day two, they create a new species of people. Then they create a champion and a memory and a That's divine awesome. beast. And it's all writing. And so I still teach that one. But I've dropped off on the Spanish because that was just very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it's probably uh, you know oversaturated on you know on that a little uh, bit website, a little right? bit uh, Def definitely a little bit. I mean, I brought my own twist to it, so that made a difference. But yeah, languages are very popular, but certainly saturated. And again, it was my own self doubt of like, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. But you know, I didn't, it was, it was all for the best in the end, honestly. <laughs> and well, let, let me ask you this, how long did that last? And you say you were teaching it to Chinese kids? So VIP kid was a company that was based in China. And um, it was teaching English to kids in China. So that was the first company I worked for. But then what happened was the Chinese Ministry of Education said no more foreign tutors can teach with VIP Kid. And so VIP Kid basically disappeared overnight. Right. And so out school, I didn't teach any English as a second language on out school. That one was all uh, with Spanish and everything. And that's more of a U.S.-based customer base and everything. Most of my students live in the U.S., some are in other countries and things like that. So two different companies, but both online teaching, if that makes sense. 
you know, uh, you said VIP kids uh, went down, disappeared, you know, bye-bye, sayonara. Mm-hmm. Out school comes in. Um, you know, it's, uh, and for people who don't know, could you please explain to people what out school is exactly? Yeah, absolutely. So out school is this online hub of academic and extracurricular activities. You can teach whatever you want on there and they encourage you to teach things that you are passionate about and things that you know a lot about. And so you'll find your traditional algebra and English classes, but you'll also find obviously video game classes or pottery or crochet, you know, any kind of extracurricular activity you can think of. But what's awesome is out school is just this hub where parents can come to find classes. And it really exploded obviously during COVID when everyone was home, but that, that explosion has just kind of continued. People are like, wow, my kid can learn all of these skills online from teachers who want to teach them how to do these different things. Do you need to be certified to teach on this uh, website or can anybody just, as long as they could, you know, do an outline of a class, uh, I take it like, you know, like a regular curriculum, you know, what's the yep. process to get, uh, to basically say our school says, okay, Devin Ricks, uh, she's a teacher. She could definitely uh, do this. What's the process? So you don't have to have any sort of teacher certification. As I mentioned, I have no formal teaching experience, so you don't have to have any sort of certification or anything like that. For certain subjects, like if you're teaching nutrition or anatomy and physiology or things like that, they do require a little bit more um, certification, but you just have to apply and you do a video that shows them kind of how you're going to teach and your personality. And then they run a background check and an identity verification and all that stuff. And then you do their training and you're approved to teach. Then when you put your, excuse me, then you put your classes up on OutSchool and it's about parents finding you and finding your classes and enrolling their students. And so it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of momentum to get started, but it's great because there's so many parents looking for classes on there and so many students that are eager to learn that it's a really great teaching experience. When you first started at out school, were you uh, continuing with the Spanish or, um, you know, anything else before you jumped into the idea of using video games such as Legend of Zelda, you know, Breath of the Wild and Pokemon? Yeah, I thought for sure that Spanish classes and English classes, that those kind of academic classes would be the most popular. I always wanted to put a pop culture twist on them because I felt like that was going to be more interesting and appealing to parents rather than just learning, you know, colors, as I mentioned, learning Pokemon colors, that that was kind of what was going to make me stand out was that I had this gaming background. You know, I was a cool teacher and I knew all the stuff. And so I always wanted to incorporate video games and pop culture into my classes, but I never thought it would be just the social clubs that I ended up teaching. I always thought for sure, I was like, I will definitely have a bunch of writing classes that are about different video games and I'll be teaching Spanish, you know, in all these different capacities through video games and through characters. And I started with my first social club just because one of my students in my writing class was like, hey, Miss Devin, you know, I have these questions about the game. Could you help me with this? And then I had another student and I was like, you know, guys, I'll create a social club and if you want to come hang out, I'll answer your questions and help you through what you're doing. And then that social club filled up and parents wanted more times. And I realized I was like, well, I can play more games than just Zelda. So then I started putting out, you know, things like Animal Crossing and Pokemon and they just kind of kept coming. (laughs) And like you said, uh, it's mainly the parents looking for a teacher for their kids. 
uh, specifically in uh, these kinds of subjects. And uh, one thing that we can't overlook, I'm pretty sure the majority of the parents who, uh, you know, come to you, they're about, you know, in our age group. And these are mm -hmm. the same people who grew up with video games, with arcades, with these characters in their lives. Uh, you know, maybe some of them put it to the side, but this is most likely also a hearkening back to the their love of childhood of video games and stuff like that. And I'm sure that's really helped you out a lot with your out school career, correct? Yeah, it's interesting because you kind of get the two sides of the coin. I have so many students who say, I was just doing this with my dad. I was just doing this with my mom last night, you know, that they're gaming with their parents. But then on the flip side, you also get parents who are like, I don't know anything about Pokemons. Can you please help my son who needs this very special fire breathing lizard creature? I don't know how to, you know, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, so yeah, the kids are more into it. They're following it because of their friends. So their parents don't really know what's going on. So they're, they're the yeah. lost parents, if you want to look at it that way. Exactly. So it is interesting because you kind of get both sides of it. But um, I would say more often than not, I have a lot of students whose parents do game, you know, to some extent. Sometimes they'll play the same games as their kids or sometimes they'll play other games. But it's really interesting because, yeah, my favorite was I had a parent message me and they're like, I can't listen to another word about Pokemons. Can you please... <laughs> Can you please help my child, like, get this out of his system so that, you know, and I'm like, I'm happy to. I'm like, I will talk about Pokemon all day. We'll talk about battle strategies. And I'm like, absolutely. You send them my way and we'll have a great time. And then the kid feels heard and accepted also, you know, by an adult. And they're like, oh, okay. So this is a cool thing to like, even if mom and dad don't get it, that's fine. Again, talking about having that mentor, having that person that it's like, this is a great thing to love and it's okay to be passionate about it. Even if everyone around you isn't as passionate as you are, you'll find your people, you know? You know, I got to ask you this. Uh, you put together your little plan of, um, you know what? I'm going to use video games as a, as a class here. I'm going to use Zelda as, um, like you said, to build an environment for kids for, uh, you know, kids who want to, uh, you know what, and I'm sure it's not just kids, I'm sure adults could sign up for this, where we could just have a nice environment together, where we could come together and game and explore the world as if we're living in it. You know, when you first explored this idea, you know, what were your results? Did you see quick results right away? Because, whoa, somebody's, uh, you know, using Zelda as a way of teaching, uh, you know, take us through that. Were, were you surprised to see anybody even sign up for it? Because I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people have tried to use video games before as a way to teach things. And some people don't get it. Some do. Like you said, some people are afraid to do it because they may feel bullied or something like that. But what were your experiences when you put your curriculum together? Yeah, and so, well, without school, it is only children. I wish adults could oh, come on okay. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought oh, no, it was adults fine. as well. No, I'm I'm building a, I'm trying to build a platform where adults can come also. That's okay. like out school, but out school is only for children. But honestly, the first time I put it out there, I was like, who's going to, who's, what parent's going to sign their kid up for this? That's what I thought. I was like, why would a parent pay to let their kids play video games? I'm like, I don't. I don't think anyone's going to come. I don't think anyone's going to sign up. You know, I did not have a lot of faith in this idea for a class. But, but as you wanted I've to taught, see if it worked, right? Yeah, I was kind of like, never what do to I try. have to lose? Yeah, I didn't have anything to lose. I was like, I already have the games. I may as well just play them and, you know, see what happens. But as I've taught more and more classes, I'm really starting to understand the value that these social clubs have and why parents do pay for them. You know, the 
mentorship of having someone who knows how to play, having a role model. Those are definitely parts of it, but also these kids just can feel accepted by their peers. And am I teaching them, you know, math and English and like those traditional subjects? No, but what I am teaching them is a lot of it is leadership. You know, when someone asks a question, so of if course. I have a student that's like, hey, how do I do this? I open up to the class first and I say, who can show, you know, Tommy over here how to do this? And then they feel confident because they know, they understand. They're like, oh, I know how to do that. I know this trick. And then it also gives them a chance to explore you know, their gaming worlds creatively, like in my Animal Crossing classes, we tour each other's islands and these kids come up with the coolest ideas. Like I just went to my student's island and she had this whole game show planned where she wrote out these questions and we had buzzers. And so wow. it really gives them like these intangible life lessons, I feel like. But the biggest thing is just that amount of acceptance and belonging that I don't, I don't know if you can really identify it but it's a huge thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, take our listeners uh, through a class of yours. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to hear this and say, oh, she's just playing Legend of Zelda with a bunch of kids and, you know, they're just running around the world. But it's more than that. You know, can you take, uh, you know, can you take our listeners a little bit how you structure your classes, you know, what you have your kids doing, you know, what you're, you know, what you're teaching them, how it correlates to the real world, or is it just, you know what, let's get away from the real world. You guys feel safe here, but I'm also going to teach you about the real world, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of it depends on the game, but we'll start with Zelda because that's my most popular, well, one of my most popular classes. But what usually happens is it starts out, you know, we all come and I play on screen. So just like you see on, you know, Twitch, how people have right. their video capture cards all set up. So yes. that's how my classroom is set up. So my students see exactly what I'm doing. And I always start out, I'm like, what are you guys doing in your games? And I give them each a chance to tell me about it. And some of them are like, oh, I'm trying to find more shrines. I'm trying to do this and that. And so that's where we start is I'm like, does anyone need help with anything? Is there anything I can help you guys with? Because that's my first priority is that you feel like you are making progress in your game. And then if they don't have any questions, we will do a couple of things. One of the things I love to do in Breath of the Wild is we'll do a scavenger hunt. And so I'll give them five <laughs> items. I'm like, all right, you've got to go find an apple, a stamella shroom, a Hinox toenail, and I don't know, a bacoblin guts or whatever. I'm like, ready, set, go. And then we're all playing our own games and I can't see their games, but I'm like, when you find something, shout it out. And so you hear a student like, I got Bacoblin Guts. Oh, I got an apple, you know, and I'm keeping tally in the chat. And I'm like, oh man, you're at three, you're at four. Who's going to get the fifth one? And I have like these little trophies in my classroom. One of them's a Triforce. And I'm like, you are the Triforce winner. You know, they're like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> or like, I've also created like Jeopardy games. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I have different categories <clears throat> like Mon Mon Monsters or Weapons or, you know, Geography. And then they get to choose, like, Geography for 100. And I'll be like, okay, where is the Master Sword? And they're like, oh, in the Korok Forest, that's easy. And then, like, it gets harder and harder. So I create little games for my classes. But a big part of it is just chatting you know that's what we do more often than not is we just hang out and we just talk about it we talk about how Rivali is such a mean person and then I explain to them I'm like he just had a hard childhood you know be kind to poor Rivali and they're like poor Rivali you know and sometimes <laughs> in my classes my students I are like Miss Devin will you do a backflip into Death Mountain and I'm like 
why do you want me to do a backflip into Death Mountain? They're like, because it's funny. I'm like, okay. And then, <laughs> so I do. And they're like, do it again, do it again. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And they're like, now go fight Ganon with a stick. And I'm like, you really want me to go fight Ganon with a stick? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I just kind of, you know, it's whatever they want from me. That's that's the biggest thing is it's very student-led. I always have a few things that we can do in case they're, you know, feeling shy or not sure what to do that day. But I do whatever in the game they want me to do. That's kind of how my classes go. <laughs> no, that, that's that's really awesome to hear. You know, um, and listen, you you have a couple of kids yourself. I have some kids. So trust me, we, we both know we got to have a lot of patience for our own kids. Mm-hmm. But you know, patience with uh, with a class full of kids, even though it is virtual, it it's a different kind of patience. But it's a fun kind of patience, isn't it? Where it's just, hey, I'm just doing what they want. I'm, I'm making them feel at home. This is what makes them happy. You must get a lot of joy from this. Oh, I, I still can't believe this is my job. Like, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel real. Like, I get to be with these kids, which I've always wanted, you know, even though I never wanted to be a teacher, I always wanted to be a mother and I always wanted to be involved with kids. And so I get to be with these kids. I get to play video games, but you know, it's just so fun. Like we just have a great time and I love, I love seeing kids, especially like I have this one student who, when he started playing, um, Breath of the Wild, he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what anything is. And now he, today he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do the duplication glitch so that I can, you know, get duplicates of the Hylian shields. And then I'm going to have a whole inventory of them. And I'm like, you know, this time three months ago, you had no idea what the Hylian shield was. And so it's really cool to see them like explore these games and become more confident or like on the flip side, I have this one student who knows everything about Pokemon, like mathematically, he knows the stats and all of the details and he's a competitive Pokemon gamer. You know, he's done some competitive things on like Pokemon sword and stuff. And he knows all of that backwards and forwards. And so when he comes to class, he's like the class hero. Everyone's like, oh, I want to, you know, tell me about this and tell me about this. And when we play Pokemon Unite, everyone wants to be on his team because they know he's going to win, you know. So it's just so cool to see, like, all those different dynamics um, in the classroom with these kiddos. Is there something um, that you don't tolerate in your class? Uh, You know, obviously you're all having fun, but these are still kids. And sometimes, you know, some kids could be, you know, rowdy. Some could be, you know, very rude. Are there a few things that you let your um, their parents know beforehand that you will not tolerate whatsoever? Obviously, I'm sure bullying is one is, you know, top priority. But what are some other things you don't tolerate? Yeah, well, thankfully, I I have not really had many issues with my students, quite frankly. I can't think of anyone that I had to really like give a talking to. Now, OutSchool has some very specific privacy rules. They're not allowed to share things like their address, their phone number, their email, you know, those kinds of, you know, identifying information. Um, I don't allow swearing in my classroom. I don't allow, you know, bullying is the biggest one. But like I said, I've never had a student intentionally be rude to another student. You know, maybe accidentally they'll say something like, you know, someone says something and they're like, oh, ho, ho, that's funny. And it wasn't meant to be funny. And then I'll just gently remind, I'll be like, hey guys, remember, we're all, you know, we're all friends here. Be kind to each other. But I don't think I've ever had an incident where I've had to talk to a student and be like, you need to be kind. You need to stop doing this, 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 or this. And if they get to be too rowdy, like I have a lot of students 
that are on the spectrum or, you know, somewhere along those lines or have some learning disability, which is why their parents love out school. And when they start to get rowdy or something, it's nice because I can hit that mute button. So like I've had a student with Tourette's and if I see that he's starting to, you know, um, start saying things that he probably doesn't want anyone to hear anyway, I just hit that mute button, you know, until he's done or, you know, until he wants to unmute himself. And I tell students that I'm like, Hey guys, if I ever get background noise from your house or anything, I'll just hit that mute button. You can unmute yourselves. So that's a really nice way to manage a classroom to keep everyone together. But honestly, I've had very few issues with that. No, that's always uh, good to hear. And I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned before, a lot of your students, um, you know, maybe they're a little bit self-conscious about telling their real life friends, you know, people they go to actual school with physical school. Oh, yeah, I'm a gamer. And some of them, Mm -hmm. you know, will look at them weird as like, oh, yeah, I don't have no time to play video games and everything. I'm assuming it's, uh, you know, that's a big thing as well, where they respect each other because, you know what? We found a group of people that enjoy the same hobbies as we do, and we want to keep them as friends forever. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's part of it, correct? Oh, absolutely. And it's just like any hobby. You know, I think that a lot of people don't look at gaming as a hobby as other hobbies, you know, because if no, you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, if you play volleyball, you want to find other people who play volleyball. If you play chess, you want to find other chess players. But if you play game, you know, if you're a gamer, it's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> you know, that definitely is the stigma. And so I think it's great that these kids can find each other and that OutSchool provides that platform and that I'm there to teach them and help them with everything like that. I know what you mean. Uh, recently, uh, a top-level Street Fighter player put it out there that at uh, his job, he ac- he's actually afraid to tell people he plays video games on the side mm-hmm. as a hobby. And this is, you know, he's uh, considered one of the best players in the world. But when asked, he, he just pretends as if, you know, he doesn't he doesn't do or anything. It's like, oh, no, I don't I don't want people to know what I do you know, on my, on my, on my uh, own time, which is you know, very weird. It's like, Hey, we all have hobbies. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never understand why when somebody says I play video games on the side, you could be 15, you could be 38, you could be 52. It's what you want to do. This is what you like. It's very weird that people are still very self-conscious about that, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I feel that too. You know, even like when I started teaching, video game classes and even still i feel like i have to explain it you know because well, like, i was you know it's funny it's i'm sorry to thing. cut you off sorry no, to cut fine. you off that's actually what i was gonna ask next uh mm-hmm. you know do you still feel a little bit of self-consciousness like let's pretend you're you know you're at a friend's house or maybe somebody you don't know comes up to you hey Devin, what you know how's it going like what do you do and you say oh i teach uh you know i use video games to teach kids do you feel and you know do you feel weird even saying that Oh, I totally do. I usually leave video games out of it. I usually, when someone new says, you know, Devin, what's your job? I say, I'm an online teacher and I host social clubs. And, you know, they'll be like, well, what does that mean? And I'll be like, well, it means that kids can come and they kind of have, you know, they have the same interests and they get to talk to each other and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, what kinds of stuff? And then, you know, if they're really interested, I'll tell them, I'll be like, well, I play video games with them. And then they're like, you do what? And I'm like, yeah, I play video games, but it's not like I'm just sitting there playing video games. It's all these things and there's a lot more to it. And it's not just me playing video games in my basement. You know, I feel like I have to really like explain it to them. Even still, even though I've been doing this for a while now, it's still like an instinct to defend my career, you know? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's a, it's a weird, video games just has a weird negative stigma to it. 
it's it's again it's very very weird i mean even people who know me i love playing pool and mm -hmm. when i talk to a few people oh you play pool i'm like yeah what's wrong with that now, you know not that they think it's a problem it's like well aren't you gonna be afraid you might get shot or or you know a knife uh you know pulled out on you it's like why would you think that oh well isn't that what happens at pool halls it's like not the ones i i go to <laughs> you're like, I don't know what pool halls you're going to, but you might need to find <laughs> well, some I don't new know friends, what, I don't buddy. know what movies are you watching. And, and again, that's a negative, yeah. uh, that's a negative thing, but it, it's weird. I, I hope one day, again, that's another thing where we get to a point with video games where it's, I mean, do, we even, do I even want to say the word accepted? Because video games is accepted. All you have to do is look at, you know, some of the Fortnite mm -hmm. uh, finals for tournaments that get... Um, you know, news coverage, mainly because, you know, a 15-year-old kid just won a million dollars. So, you know, that's a, right. that's a little bit of a difference. But it, I, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird stigma that we're going to be stuck with forever in this community. But it is what it is. Uh, going back to your class, uh, what kind of feedback have you been getting from your teacher? You already said that some some teachers, thank God that they found you. Oh, my God, we found Miss Devin. You know, let her deal with our kids talking about Pokemon and everything like that, <laughs> which is great. But again, it uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. It really is. But, you know, what other kinds of, uh, you know, what other kinds of uh, feedback have you been gotten from these uh, parents where I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure the amount of feedback that you have has helped you out, you know, as a video game teacher that you are? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had overwhelmingly positive feedback from parents. I can't think of a parent that was ever like, oh, I'm so mad that I wasted my money on this class. This was an awful experience. You know, I've never had that from a parent. More often than not, they're just grateful that their kids have found a place where they can, you know, be themselves and that they can really, you know, have fun with other kids and be safe. So I've had amazingly positive feedback from parents. One of my favorites is I have this little kid. He's so sweet. He's like, six or seven years old right so just little and he his mom messaged me and he plays zelda and she's like you know i'm a little worried because he's not very good at the game is that okay and i was like don't worry i was like he can come with zero knowledge about who link and zelda are and everything i was like don't worry that's what this class is about and she was like okay he's kind of shy you know and i'm really concerned i was like well try it out see what you think and so he came to class and the first class sure enough he was pretty shy but i you know was talking to him i was like hey you know what do you like to do where are you at in your game and then a couple of weeks later after he had come to my class this mom messaged me and she said you know miss devon i have seen a huge change in my kiddo since he started coming to your classes he's more confident, he's happier, he's not as nervous that, you know, just in general, not just like with video games, but that being in my class and being accepted by these other kids and gaining confidence from a video game has affected him in other aspects of his life. No, oh, that's awesome. That's uh, ridiculously awesome. How long have you been doing OutSchool now? I've been teaching for about a year and a half on OutSchool. And, um, Around what month, uh, what number of month was it that you saw such a jump in, um, you know, in people wanting to have their kids uh, enrolled in your class? Um, it probably was around May or April last year, I would say. That's kind of when I switched from my logic was I was like, well, I'll put my academic classes on the back burner. 
when summer comes and I'll do some more fun classes during the summer. And then in the fall, I'll pick up my academic ones again. And so I'd say probably around April or May last year was when I started to see these students come in. And some of these students who started with me May last year are still with me. They still come every single week, Friday at five. That's, you know, Miss Devon's class and we play together. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, ridiculously awesome. So <laughs> obviously we're in summertime. I'm assuming this is the time that you get the most students. Yes. Yeah. I get the most students uh, during the summer, during breaks, mostly just because of the hours I choose to teach. I try to teach when my daughters are at school um, because I, I mean, that was the whole point of this, right? Was that I could be with them in the evenings <laughs> and stuff. So I try to teach when they're not here, which means that a lot of kids are at school and so i can't have as many enrollments in right. that way but out school is an international platform so like my i had a class this morning at 9 a.m mountain time and one of my students lives in spain and then i have Sweet. one you know at 7 p.m mountain time and i have kids that are in korea that come to class and so i see a lot of homeschooled kids that are in my classes just because of the hours i teach but I will also have students in different time zones after school. They'll come to my classes and things like that, too. But summer, summer is definitely the most popular because I still try and teach those same hours. And then school obviously isn't happening. So it's not really much of a factor. All right. Let's hear your reaction from your husband when uh, you started that this is going to be your full time gig. Was he, you know, it's like, what? That's freaking awesome. <laughs> or he's like, what? What was his well, reaction? Let's hear it. I'm very lucky that I married a man who also loves gaming. You know, he's played Diablo. He's played Starcraft. He's played oh. Warcraft. You know, he's he's That's played awesome. games his whole life, too. And so when I told him initially, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make a social club instead of a Spanish class. He was kind of kind of like me, like, OK, well, we'll see what happens. I'm like, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and so now, actually, um, the awesome thing is, is that I've had so many students and things on out school that I've had to hire some teachers to help me teach my classes and I've oh, hired wow. him. <laughs> so he actually teaches um, on Thursday nights. He'll teach a Pokemon Unite class and he's going to be teaching a Breath of the Wild. And then now at nighttime, I'm like, okay, hun, you've got to, you've got to play some more Arceus. You're still at the very beginning. You need to finish this game. <laughs> and so we'll be, you know, it'll be nighttime and he's playing Arceus and I'm folding laundry and then you know, he's like, I'm working. I'm like, I know, please go faster. <laughs> and he made like a separate Zelda file. That's his teaching file. So he tagged all the shrines and he's ready for the divine beasts, but he hasn't beaten any of them yet so that he can show the students how to do it and everything. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... You're like, how is this your life? I can, I can hear it in your chuckle. Like, how is this real? Because <laughs> that's what I, I think. No, I'm chuckling because it's awesome. It really honestly is, you know. It's, it, you, you, you sometimes, and I hate saying it like this, but it, it kind of has to be. Sometimes you hear about these things and some people unfortunately think it's kind of cringe. It's like, what? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, eh. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm laughing like because I think it's awesome. You know, I, I always <laughs> enjoy I always enjoy hearing these kinds of things just because it's so out there. You know, mm -hmm. you, like, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be hearing this and they're like, what? That's a thing? I'm sure some people know about it, but mm -hmm. not, to the, not to the levels that you're doing it. Like you said it yourself, you had to hire a few extra people to help you out, including your husband. So it's working out for you very well. Yeah, it really is. And well, like I mentioned, my goal is to 
um, also provide a place for adults to do this same thing, right? A safe place, which sounds so dumb when you talk about adults, a safe place to game, you know, but who wants to go into a chat room not knowing anyone, not being able to see people's faces, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. So I'd love to create this for adults too. And so I've hired, let me think, I have five teachers who teach my games with me and additional games that they also like to play and stuff. And I'm hoping that eventually our team will grow to also teaching adults and having that same kind of situation outside of out school, but for adults, you know what I mean? No, and uh, I'm all for that. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, a lot of people forget when it comes to the gaming community, specifically adults, I've seen a study recently that the majority of people who still game, they rather not do it online just because of, the negativity, everything that mm -hmm. goes on, you get judged very easily. I mean, heck, you don't even have to play a video game. Just go on the YouTube comments section. Oh, yeah. and, uh, you know what I'm saying? So I'm sure something like that for adults would be huge because uh, a lot of adults, a lot of people our age, uh, you know, I'm going to be 39 uh, on uh, Tuesday, and there's a lot of people who still play video games hardcore, you know, my age. And mm -hmm. a lot of them uh, just do not want to go online just because, uh, you know, single-player Single player games are much more enjoyable for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you get to explore the world all by yourself. You don't need to have anybody yelling at you. I, and I'm pretty sure I saw it that, you know, the number of people who play games mainly online is so much more, uh, so much more smaller compared to people who play it still offline. There's just something very magical about these characters so many years later. And uh, magical also about the environments. Uh, the Zelda lore just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's amazing that, you know, stuff like Zelda's been around for as long as it has. Even stuff like Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. So, well, um, and I think, too, that adults, you know, with children, children aren't afraid to be new at something, right? They're true. not afraid to start something new. But a lot of adults are don't want to be judged in that way. Because, I mean, true. Zelda's been out for, you know, since the Wii U. So it's been out for a handful of years. No adult wants to be like, hey... I'm totally new at this. I have no idea what's going on on the internet because the response will be, oh, you don't know this. How do you not know this? I've known yes. this for mm -hmm. 40 years, you know, whatever it is. And that's, that's exactly what you're talking about is people don't want to be exposed and vulnerable in that way. And I think it's like we were talking before, hiding behind the keyboard. But when you're in a classroom and you're a group, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, we're on the same team. So if you're new, that's fine. I'll help you. And if I'm new, you help me. And, you know, it kind of becomes a community rather than like a competition of who knows the most about something. And before, guys, uh, guys, before you go over and start flooding out school, because, hey, if teacher Devin could do it, I could do it. And I don't have <laughs> any kind of teaching credentials. Please remind people that this is a full-time job. You know, you're going to have to put in a <laughs> lot of effort. I've always uh, talked to a few people on here, uh, content create, uh, content creators. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the ones who do it for a living are doing exactly that. They're doing it for a living because they're putting in full-time hours plus a heck of a lot more. I'm sure this is not easy. No, it's not. And honestly, like, the biggest thing is... I'm not, I'm by no means the only video game teacher on OutSchool. Like if you go right. on there and you type in, you know, Animal Crossing Social Club, Zelda Social Club, you'll find other teachers. But were but you the, the thing first is, though? It takes, no, I was not the first. I was oh, okay. far from the first. But the thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize you, it takes a long time to build a client base, like any right. business, right. you know? So in my first couple of months, I made like $100 here and there, you know, like it was not anything 
impressive. But as time went on and my students found me and I found those students and I kept putting in those hours. I mean, I work, I, I work, you see, I play games <laughs> like did 25 you do air hours. Quotes there? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I told... <laughs> well, it's funny. My students are like, you've put in 600 hours on animal crossing. And I'm like, well, yeah, I play for like seven hours a week with you guys, <laughs> you know, and then I have to get my Island ready. Cause like, even just things like animal crossing, I put in time outside of class creating things. So like I have a baking area on my Island. I have a fashion show area. I have like a pirate area and all of these different things. And so it's like, yeah, showing up and teaching the class is amazing and it's super fun. But if you just show up and you're like, Hey, I play video games, you're not going to be successful because the kids want to connect with you. They want to connect with each other. And so it takes a lot of work, a lot of patience and a lot of hope <laughs> that, you know, your classes <laughs> will take off because sometimes, you know, I, you can have a great class and be an amazing teacher. And sometimes it just doesn't go anywhere. I've seen that with several of my classes. Like I had students that were like, oh, you should do Super Mario Odyssey or Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. And I put both those classes up and just didn't really get enrollments, you know? And so my students are like, why don't you have these? I was like, well, no one really signed up and I'm doing right. classes that you guys want and things. So you're absolutely right. Like if you wanna try and be a teacher on OutSchool, by all means, go for it. But just know that it is not easy. It is not fast. <laughs> There's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into it. And I love it, but it is a lot of work. What are the current games that you use in your classes? You've mentioned Zelda. I'm pretty sure that's your number one. You also mentioned uh, Animal Crossings. Any other games you use? Yeah, so I play my most popular classes, Animal Crossing and Zelda. Those are my top two. I also play Splatoon 2, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Mario Kart, uh, Pokemon Unite, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Pokemon Sword. What else? I think that's all of them right now. <laughs> but I rotate some in every now and then. And as new games come out, I try and add those. So like I just added some for Kirby's Dream Buffet that just came out. I will certainly be playing Splatoon 3 and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I had a Sims game class for a little while, but again, it just didn't really take off. And I've I've played the Sims forever, but just didn't really take off. So mostly mostly those ones, but the list is always growing. And as I've hired on more teachers, like I have one teacher who's like, I love Stardew Valley. And I'm like, great. I did not like Stardew Valley. You can <laughs> teach that one, you know? And <laughs> another teacher is like, oh, I love Luigi's Mansion. I'm like, never played it. All you go for it, you know? So that's the other nice thing about having this team of teachers with me is that we all have different interests. And my students have begged me and begged me, begged me to make a Minecraft class. And I'm like, guys, I know I do not like Minecraft. <laughs> I just can't. I don't know what it is. Every time I sit down to play, I'm like, Ugh, this is the worst game ever. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it's the worst game ever, but the Sims you mentioned. It, uh, There's no reason. <laughs> but the yeah, Sims you, you mentioned, you've been playing the Sims forever. I played the Sims the first 15 minutes and it's just like, then I have to turn it off because it's just, I, I don't know. I, I just right. cannot keep up with that game. But hey, listen, people love That's it like crazy. Minecraft. It's still, I'm sorry? That's me in Minecraft. Like, yeah, I sit down and I'm just like, I'm no, I'm done. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, considering the IPs you mentioned, all mainly Nintendo and mm -hmm. uh, from a few other uh, producers and developers, have you ever gotten any kind of cease and desist, you know, because, oh, you're using RIPs, you know, to make money? 
Like you, you've got, you ever gotten any any kind of those kinds of troubles, or is it like just eh, she's using it for you know for teaching kids? Yeah, you know the fortunate thing about teaching as a teacher on out school is that they have a whole team of people that are in charge of that, right? So for the most part, though, I have never had any issues with games like Zelda and Mario Kart and stuff. With Minecraft, they do have, I because I did try to make a Minecraft class once. It was Help Miss Devon Learn Minecraft. That was the title of it. <laughs> and then as soon as I listed it, I didn't want to do it, so I took it down. But anyway, that one has a few more like stipulations. I did try to make right. a Harry Potter book club, and OutSchool has some very specific things from Warner Brothers and stuff that like you can't use words like Hogwarts or Harry Potter or you know those kinds of copyrighted words so a lot of it depends on the game but I personally haven't run into any issues and if I ever did I imagine it would just be a hey you need to stop doing this and it's like okay I'll I'll just pick a different game and no need to worry about it that's usually how those interactions would go down how long do you think you're going to be doing this for as long as I can get away with it, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, in all seriousness, I love it. I really do. I love I love seeing this new generation of gamers. I love sharing all of this knowledge I have with them. And, you know, my husband's in dental school right now. He's got two years left of that, and then he wants to become an endodontist. So that's like two more years. So I'm like, well, I'll at least be doing this for the next four years. Once he's an endodontist, I'll probably dial back quite a bit. You know, I'll probably just have it be like one or two classes a day instead of five or six or seven a day. But I don't anticipate any end in sight. You know, I don't have like an exit strategy. If anything, I really would love to build, like I was saying with adults, my own place on the internet where it's not necessarily dependent on out school, but also expanding the audience beyond just children. That's really my big vision because I think that this is an important thing that I'm doing and I feel like it's something that other people will accept and love and want to do, but someone needs to coordinate it. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to is someone needs to say, all right, I'll set up the Zoom meeting, we'll be there, all that stuff. So I don't anticipate stopping anytime soon. <laughs> Now you mentioned you uh, love gaming. You 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 loved gaming growing up. Um, when you decided to make this uh, part of your life, part of your career, this uh, teaching thing, did uh, you know? Did you find that you enjoyed gaming more or gaming less when you're not doing your job? Well, you know that's a good question. About the same, maybe. I mean, it depends. Okay, like it depends on the game and depends on the class. Like Animal Crossing. When I feel like the inspiration for an idea for a new activity, like I love it. Like it's more exciting than any time I've played Animal Crossing. You know, like I love that when I have an idea for a class and like Breath of the Wild, I just, I get lost in that game. You know, I'm playing it and I'm like, I'm kind of prepping for class. Like what I'll do outside of class is like collect arrows and level up my armor, things that students don't really care about as much. But I still, I still love it. You know, I don't think it's more or less. I think it's pretty pretty even to what it was. I just feel like I can spend more time on it now and not feel like I'm neglecting, you know, my family because we game together and it's mom's work and, <laughs> you know, they understand that. I have a work switch, which is a really funny thing to say, but I have a work switch that is mine and my kids have a family switch, you know? <laughs> you know I was actually going to ask that next, you know, uh, how's the, 
do you game do you game with your kids as well and and if so you know do they do you find you enjoy it just as much as you do with your kids or is it some kind of different gaming where it's like yeah hey, we're playing mario party we're doing um you know we're playing multiplayer games non-stop you know because this is what my kids love to do like are your kids um enjoying gaming as much as you did growing up yes yeah especially my oldest daughter She's nine, so she's at just like that perfect age of gaming. She loves Splatoon too. She loves, you know, Pokemon and all those games. She feels a little intimidated by Breath of the Wild. So like she loves watching me and my husband play that one. But we'll play Mario Kart, we'll play Mario Party. But a lot of times what's awesome is if I have a spare spot in my class, then I can have my daughters, I'll enroll my daughters and they'll be in a different room if we have like multiple oh, game awesome. cards and then they can come to class and get to hang out with, you know, experiencing this exact same thing I'm talking about, experiencing this time with other students that love things that they love and stuff. So my oldest is definitely loves the gaming world. She watches like the Nintendo news every day. She's like, mom, did you see the Nintendo direct about <laughs> oh, Splatoon? Awesome. They're going to have this. And I was like, no, we got to watch it. So we'll watch it together. And you know, it's, it's great to share it with them. So she's definitely the one that loves it the most. My other three, they're getting there, but the cutest thing, oh my goodness, I, my two-year-old, she's going to be three this month, and she'll go up to my husband, and she's like, Dad, let's go fight the giants. And we're like, the giants? She's like, yeah, in Zelda, go fight the giants. And we're like, okay. So we'll just fight the giants, and she's like, go get that one, you know? So it's definitely a family affair over here. Would you feel proud if all four of them say, Mom, we want to do what you do when you when we grow up, and then later on in life, they're actually doing it? How would you feel? You know, knowing how happy it makes me, I would love that. But, you know, it's interesting talking about that stigma, even thinking about it, having them be, like, professional gaming people. I'm like, oh, you could, you know, like, my instinct is, like, you could do something else, but realistically like if this is what they wanted to do if they wanted to be like me and teach video games i'm sure they they would love it and it i think it would be amazing i would love for them to do it you mentioned a couple of times that you want to have a platform like this for adults are you wanting to be the main teacher for it or you know you just want to overlook it because obviously going from kids to adults only that's going to be a heck of a jump and obviously it comes with a different mindset correct yes Yes, it definitely does. Um, I would want to start by teaching, you know, and then hiring teachers and training them so that they can host, you know, these events and things in smaller groups and stuff. Because that's the nice thing is my classes are usually like seven to 10 people. You know, the biggest class I've ever had was, I think, 17. And that was a lot. And so I wouldn't be the sole teacher. But as I mentioned before, I already have a couple of teachers who are teaching with me on out school and stuff. So I think I would probably bring on them first and then expand it into other teachers and other games and other consoles and everything like that, because I can't do it all. You know, I, I don't know every game in and out. I would love to, that'd be awesome, but you know, I don't. <laughs> and so I'd love to bring in other people too, that could also help teach those classes. And I would kind of organize and oversee it and teach some classes also. Man, that, that no, that's gonna be awesome, and I, you know, I really do hope uh, you go, you go forward with it, and you find a lot of success with the adult classes that you have with the kids classes, because I'm sure, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of adults have come up to you and say, hey, would you, uh, would you ever do any adult classes of, of the of the same nature? Uh, you know, have you actually gotten people saying that to you, or asking you for a class for adults? 
I have. Yeah, I have gotten quite a few people who have asked me about it because I post on my, you know, you mentioned a news article. I've been interviewed by, this is my fourth interview, I think. I've had two news interviews and a podcast interview. And so I'll, you know, tell people about these and they're like, oh, do you do this for adults? And I'm like, not yet, but I would love to. And they're like, well, when you do, let me know. I would love to participate and love to do it. So that's kind of what spurred this whole thought of like, well, how cool would that be to have a community of adults that can game together and build these friendships and things that are so hard to do over the internet with just chat boxes, you know? So I have had quite a few people approach me about it and ask me about it. Jeez. Well, Miss Devin, you know, we could we could sit here and chat for three more hours, but, <laughs> you know, we'll save that for some future episodes. How about that? That sounds great. <laughs> I'm always happy to chat. Always happy uh, to chat. <laughs> before we get out of here, please let our, our listeners know how they could how they could get a hold of you, how they could contact you. You know, what are your social media outlets, all that good stuff? Yeah. So if you want to find a class for your kiddo on OutSchool, uh, just go to OutSchool.com. And you can look for Miss Devin, M-I-S-S-D-E-V-Y-N, and you'll find my face. It's the only one on there. It's called Miss Devin's Video Game Universe. Uh, I'm the only only Miss Devin on there. I have my own website. It's MissDevin.com. Again, M-I-S-S-D-E-V-Y-N. I have a YouTube channel. You're going to have to take a wild guess at the name. It's Miss Devin, you know. <laughs> I make myself real easy to find. And on TikTok and Instagram, it's Miss Devin are on TikTok and then on Instagram it's Miss Devin Out School. So if you look for Miss Devin with the weird spelling with the Y, you'll be able to find me. <laughs> and listen guys, uh, I know a lot of listeners in the gaming community have kids who I'm pretty sure would love something like, you know, like her class. She just gave you all those outlets. Go find her, go support the cause. You know, um support her as well. This is her full time gig and she loves it, you know, like who who wouldn't want to be teaching video games like she does for kids, you know? Yeah, it's a great job. It really is. I I love it. I love hanging out with these students. I love just spending time with them in the gaming world. It's the best job ever. It really is. <laughs> and there you go, guys. Go out, um, you know, uh, reach out to her for any questions, any inquiries, especially if you got kids, like, uh, like we said. And with that said, Ms. Devin, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production. <laughs>